this afternoon with Larita Delbridge and Larita is graduate from the class of 1996. Larita, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I wonder whether we could begin just by um, asking a little bit about your childhood and what it was like growing up in the probably the northeastern suburbs of Melbourne. Okay, I grew up uh, in a beautiful suburb, uh, Kangaroo Ground, about 20 minutes from here. Uh, and that's the only uh, house that I've ever known, which I think is actually quite special. So um, I had a fabulous childhood. We have 65 acres out there. So on the farm uh, with the cows and the sheep, and we had goat and dogs and mum always had budgies um, so I think I had a very outdoorsy childhood um, and I think it's uh, I really miss it I really miss the country nobody tells you when you're growing up and figuring out what you want to do with your life or when you fall into something that it comes with certain restrictions. And one thing that I've learned is that as a musician, I will always have to live in a big city and I really miss the country. Okay, that's a fascinating insight and a really good lead in to tell us then what you're doing today. So Kangaroo Ground is not far from uh, existing Yarra Valley Grammar. You said 20 minutes in your day, it's probably 30 minutes, closer <laughs> yes. to 30 minutes now. Um, across. Uh, through Warrandyte and mm -hmm. across the Yarra Bridge and it's Beautiful. still only single lane both ways. Yes. And it's still a bottleneck. Yes, it still is. And it's still <laughs> only 60. <laughs> it's still only 60 on yep. the windy roads through there. Um, but you say you now live in a big city. Mm -hmm. um, where is that big city and what are you doing there? So I now live in Sydney and I'm assistant concert master with the Sydney Symphony Orchestra. So I work um, every day pretty much at the Sydney Opera House. That's my office. And I live, I'm very fortunate that I live in a suburb very close to the city called Neutral Bay, which for those people who don't know Neutral Bay is right next to Kirribilli. So I get to catch the ferry across to work most days. And if I'm not on the ferry, I'm going over the Harbour Bridge every day. So it's, um, it's nice, but it's, it's inner city living and you miss the space. So, so different to Kangaroo Ground, mm -hmm. different to the rolling hills that Absolutely. we enjoy here. Yep. Um, but beautiful in its own way. Beautiful. I've got Balmoral Beach 10 minutes away. I've got a beach at the bottom of my street. Uh, it's um, it's a beautiful life. That sounds okay. Yeah, that I love it. Okay. <laughs> um, and it was music that took you up there. It was. Um, let's, we'll end up, I want to go back to what it means to be uh, an assistant concertmaster with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, but I wonder whether we can talk a little bit about music here at Yarra mm -hmm. for you. Um, we have just actually gone for a bit of a wander through the Performing Arts Centre here at Yarra uh, and we got up on stage and it was a space that was familiar to you. Yes. Um, you were on stage here a little bit at Yarra? I was, a lot, yes. Playing <laughs> or performing or singing? Or? Uh, playing, performing in the orchestra, in quartets. Uh, I did a concerto on stage here and then in my final year I was a prefect so we used to sit on stage every week. I don't know if they still do that but that's what we, we all had to set the example. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. And a good example you did. Uh, I hope so. Very good. And, and your instrument of choice? Violin. So I played violin and piano, mm -hmm. but I've it's much easier. Well, not much easier, but um, violin is a much better career choice. Okay. It's very difficult for a pianist to make a living. So Is that because, and, and acknowledge um, a bit naive about the music industry, yep. um, but... Piano 
you only need one pianist in a orchestra? Well, there's not even a full-time pianist okay. in an orchestra because it's barely used. And lots of people would learn to play the piano. That's right. Okay. So there's... Um, so supply and demand. Yeah, a little bit. And mm. and so you almost, you really end up either becoming a, a concert soloist, which obviously is extremely mm. difficult, mm-hmm. uh, or you become a teacher, um, or you can become... A, you know, very well-known recitalist and chamber musician, but it's very difficult. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, a little shout out to a uh, former student, and I, I, I would get it wrong if I tried to guess his uh, what year he was in. But Anthony Barnhill mm-hmm. um, is a name that you should watch and yes. look out for. Okay. Performing on stage, I reckon it won't be long, and he'll be at the uh, Sydney Opera House. Okay, I'll look out for him. Look out for Yarra Olgramary and Anthony Barnhill. Okay. Um, Tell us, because there'll be people um, who either have tried to play an instrument or, mm-hmm. in fact, would consider themselves almost a musician. Um, what are some tips on how to become good at maybe the violin, for example, in terms of, I don't know, does, is practising once a week, is that enough? No. Okay. <laughs> I think to, uh, to be a great musician is like being an elite athlete. You have to do it all the time. You have to train all the time. You have to be in peak condition all the time. It is just like being a, an elite athlete, okay. actually. So give us a little insight, whether this is from your own personal experience or those who you work with and amongst, mm-hmm. but what does being an elite musician look like in terms of hours of the day and type of lifestyle that that Mm-hmm. that brings for you today okay well for me in the um, Sydney Symphony Orchestra we uh, look I guess most people would think we have great hours uh, we rehearse uh, Monday Tuesday from 10 to 4 and on a Wednesday morning this is a general week we would do a, um, a full run of the program and then Wednesday night we would present that program for the first time and then Friday night we'd present it again and Saturday night we'd present it again and when you say present you mean you're performing performing so there's yes. an audience out there That's and right. there. okay yeah. so it doesn't sound like many hours but it is incredibly intense uh, you finish a day, te- the re- we can't rehearse more than that because it's too exhausting physically, wow. mentally. Uh, and then in between that, you have to practice. So you have to learn your part, you have to study the score. And then most really elite musicians also do a lot of stuff outside of that. So you might teach five to ten hours as well in that week you then might have so I'm also a member of um, Tin Alley String Quartet so I'll also be practicing for that for when we meet so we're meeting in Melbourne this week that's why I'm here Uh, and then I'm also about to go to London and actually have some lessons to do some professional development so I'm also practicing solo repertoire to take with me for that and then as a member of the Tinali String Quartet, it means I essentially also run it. I'm a partner and it's essentially a business. So then you also have a business to run at the same time. Goodness me. So, you know, and then combine just living as well, it's pretty busy. But there's a lot on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot on. So I'm intrigued by the notion that, because I would have thought that if you're a member of the Sydney, Sydney Symphony yeah. Orchestra, that, that you've made it. Mm-hmm. And yet you're still doing, you said you're still doing lessons and mm-hmm. you're still practicing and yep. you're still, so that idea of mastery mm-hmm. is not a destination, but it's a journey. Absolutely. And you're still on the journey, even mm-hmm. though you're up on stage, Sydney Symphony Orchestra, yep. 
but you're still practice. Yeah. And you're still learning new things. Absolutely. Really? Because unfortunately, if you don't practice, you get worse. And that's probably the worst thing about my job wow. <laughs> is that if I just went to work, I mean, I have to learn the repertoire that we play each week and it can sometimes be very demanding. But if I don't also practice scales and solo repertoire and, and things, I won't get any better in the orchestra because especially as a violinist, you're one, I've got 14 other colleagues in my section. We're all playing exactly the same thing at exactly the same time and it's often hard to hear yourself. So it's very easy to deteriorate without even realizing that you're deteriorating. So, and but that's also the great thing about being a musician. It's why we often can have really long, full lives until a very late age because you are always learning, you're always discovering uh, in the quartet, for instance, we play Beethoven string quartets and you come back to them, you know, five years, ten years later and you learn something every time and you change the way that you play it and it's it's just never ending and it's it's extraordinary. So it's it's a really exciting career for that for that reason. And I'm I look forward to the day that I can retire from the Sydney Symphony Orchestra, knowing that I'll probably still have another twenty years of playing and teaching and, and exploring music hopefully um so it's it's really exciting from that perspective that's fascinating that mm. is really fascinating um so there's a a, a physical fitness that you have mm -hmm. to have there's a that's the hardest thing a, a, some i'm going to call it a dexterity that you require particularly yep. with as well as uh the the tunes and the timing and the, the mm -hmm. being able to do all of that and i i just picked up in there a moment of you're part of a team. There's about 14 mm -hmm. other violinists. Yeah. But even within that, you're part of a bigger team. Mm -hmm. That is the orchestra. Yes. And so you you have the opportunity to be a soloist, and yes. yet you probably more than that mm -hmm. spend time as part of a team. Exactly. So what is what is being a member of a team look like as a musician? Uh, it's very challenging because. Uh, the great thing about being in an orchestra is the range of ages that you work with. So I have colleagues in the section who are 30, probably would be the youngest, and the oldest might be 58, 60. So that in itself is a very big challenge because I am a principal player and I have a certain amount of responsibility and I have to turn around and give my colleagues feedback in the moment if I hear something that isn't right or so I have to really be diplomatic you have to learn how to talk to people you have to have incredible people skills mm. uh, and you, that means you have to be absolutely on the boil the whole time because you can't turn around to your colleague and say I'm sorry but I think that sounds a little sharp or I think that articulation isn't quite right if you're not doing the right articulation or if you're not playing well uh, so there's a lot of um, uh, diplomacy uh, leading by example is really important so you're leading people who are older than you mm -hmm. and dare I say more uh, they're more experienced than you mm -hmm. and yet for whatever reason you're a principal and so mm -hmm. you've got a leadership role amongst that team yes so diplomacy is obviously important mm. and Again, I, I acknowledge I'm naive, but who would have thought people skills were so important yes. as part of an orchestra? Yeah, I think incredibly important, actually. Um, and really, my work in the string quartet, I think, has given me the skills that I need because the string quartet, it's like a, a hothouse of uh, music making and you have to give 
feedback to your colleagues and you work so intensely in the quartet. So it's a really good way of learning how to how to say something to someone because you have to be both positive but also critical at the same time and, and that's very it's very hard to do. It's a it's a great skill. Sure, sure, absolutely. So that that obviously if you look back now on your career mm-hmm. and dare I say began maybe before school, but certainly was developed here at Yarra Valley Grammar, mm-hmm. giving you opportunities to be in orchestras and ensembles and yeah. quartets and the like. Um, were there things that you learned as a student here at school mm-hmm. that are still applicable even though you, you know, you're now principal yeah. in the Sydney Symphony Orchestra? Like you said, you'd still practice scales. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. <laughs> Not as much as I should, too. <laughs> so so what, what are some of the foundational things that Yara gave to you that have perhaps given you some stepping stones or some foundational steps towards maybe making choices that have led to where you are now? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the most extraordinary things um, that Yara Valley did for me was when I came here in Year 10, um, they... I started doing Year 11 music when I was in Year 10. Uh, quite a few of us were taking Year 11 subjects, so VCE subjects in Year 10. And then they re- recognised very quickly that I was just way ahead of that. And they organised for me to do Year 12 music in Year 10, which had never been done before. Um, certainly at Yarra, and I don't even think that many other schools were doing it. And then at the end of that, they found out about this wonderful program at Melbourne University called the Melbourne University Program for High Achieving Students. And I enrolled and started doing my BMAS when I was in year 11. So that really put me ahead of the the curve. I was also young for my year level as well. So I turned 17 halfway through year 12. So it was a little bit younger than most people. but it just meant that I accelerated then all the way through my university life. But more importantly, it meant that I started doing the performance subjects when I was still at school. So by the time that I got to first year university, I was doing third year performance subjects, which meant that I was actually being pitted at that point against 20, 21 year olds. And it meant that I was constantly judging myself, not against my peers, but actually against people ahead of me. And, and I think that really pushed me and really helped me become a better player. And, and also a, it, it helped me find some extra maturity actually. Um, but in terms of Yara's uh, sort of the ethos of the school that I think really helped me was that um, I feel like I came from a very, I came from a girls' school and it was a lovely school, but it was somehow very serious. And what I loved about Yarra was, um, I just really enjoyed, there was a real camaraderie in the school. There was a sense, I was a terrible swimmer, but I had to compete in the swimming carnival because of my age group. I was one of the only girls that was in that particular group. So I had to compete and I was dreadful. And halfway down the pool, I hyperventilated and it was a disaster, but I finished and I got to the end. And the school was just, all the the students and my, my friends were just, but not even my friends, just the school at large really rallied around me and, and, and I, I just, it was that sense of just have a go and you'll be embraced and nobody judged. And I just felt like there was a great sense of, of friendship and support in the school that I'd never experienced in, in my previous school. And I, I really loved it. It's a pretty special culture to mm. be part of, to, to have that experience where a school can celebrate success and find a way to, to allow you to pursue 
your music in your mm. situation at a higher level than that what we'd ever necessarily explored before mm. and and help you to excel in that at the yep. same time still requiring you to do the swimming sports yes. which you hated so much yep. and really struggled with mm -hmm. and yet celebrated that too exactly isn't that a beautiful thing that's yeah. terrific um i wonder where, as you consider again your time here at yarra valley grammar um, was there a favourite spot? Was there a, a place, a, a building, a room? Um, I'm gathering it wasn't in the middle of the pool. No, <laughs> you're <laughs> was right. There a place that has fond memories for you. Uh, well, I really loved when I was in Year Twelve. Um, it's not in the building that it is now. You, the Year Twelve Common Room is in a different place. But the '96 uh, Olympics was happening when I was in year 12 and they brought a tiny little television set into the common room and we used to sit there in all of our recesses and lunch watching the Olympics um, for you know two three weeks whatever it was um, so that became a really special time it's not so much a place we were all there but um, it was a really fond memory I have and apart from that I used to sit with my girlfriends down on the grass just here on the edge of the oval and I have a lot of fond memories of sitting on the grass having lunch looking out what was then just all ovals there were no buildings at that point mm -hmm. um and i remember that was that was really nice as well actually i have a lot of fond memories of lunch times on the grass that uh that view that you speak of is is one of my favorite views as well and uh the school motto is lavavi oculus which is is uh, literally translated, I lift up my eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, our school psalm begins with, I to the hills will lift my eyes. And we're in a terrific setting for that. And, and I, I think that the founders of the school probably stood on where maybe our front steps are now and they looked out to the hills. And, yeah. and there's some inspiration mm. in those hills, I think. And I wonder if, if, you, if I sort of go full circle and, and bring it back to um, our school motto, Lavavi Oculus, um, lift up my eyes. What does that mean for you, either as a student and what did the school do to help you lift your eyes, or even um, maybe as a, some advice for young people today? Is there value in lifting our eyes? Absolutely. Uh, I've had obviously a lot of wonderful successes in my life, but anybody who's had great success will tell you that you have just as many knocks along the way. So uh, definitely. I think if you can find within you, and, and it's, it's not something that, I, I believe it is something that you can develop actually, is that ability to, when things haven't quite gone your way or you haven't had the success that you hoped for, um, that you can actually lift your eyes up and get yourself out of it and put it into perspective and get on with it because nobody's going to nobody's going to help you do it actually I mean people might help you they might give you some encouragement but you're the one that has to dig deep within yourself um, and and literally lift your eyes and I've, I've also had a um, along the way a lot of health problems or significant health problems and and that's another thing that's that I've really um, you know clung to actually is that idea that you you have to somehow get yourself up off the couch and lift your eyes and and keep going and and actually the only way that you're going to repair is to do that is to somehow get up every day and and look forward and look out and see what's ahead of you and how exciting that is even if it's not what you ever imagined but it it can also be just as exciting as what you did imagine and I think to be able to to try and and do that it's it's very hard but I think it, it you know it really helps you get through life because when I sit here and I think about where I what I imagined 20 years ago 
and what I'm where I am now it's a lot's happened and so you know you 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 realize the future is full of amazing possibilities not quite always as you expect they're going to be but but still it's exciting so I'm thinking about character and I, I want you to dig into your own character and and maybe some attributes that that you would see looking back on your life that have helped you to get where you are so you you're in a career that really uh, in terms of auditions you're either in or you're out so mm-hmm. it's pretty cutthroat very you've had some health challenges along the way yep. and there would be, I dare say there are times when you just don't feel like doing it yeah um, so what are some attributes of a character like you that has you go you change school midway through secondary school you come to a place that celebrates um, your success but also still requires you to do the things that you're not really that fussed about yeah um, and you've accelerated and your career has I mean it looks fantastic yeah like we would look at that and go everything just falls in your lap yeah <laughs> but maybe not yeah so what are some attributes of a character your character that have helped you to keep on keeping on uh, never give up mm-hmm. uh, if it doesn't work out take a step back try and figure out why it didn't work out and try a different, a different approach okay so you would actually you would actually not just fall in a heap and say oh, yep. I'm not going to pursue that anymore mm-hmm. But you would do some re-evaluation and yep. reflection yep. and then work through and, and how absolutely. could I do it differently next yeah, time? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yep. right. Um, and, and also ask people, what, what could I do differently? Talk to people, talk to your, um, you know, your peers and, and teachers and, um, and family as well. But, but ask people, why did, do you think that didn't work? Or what do you think we could have done differently or I could have done differently? Or... Um, yeah, I, I think that's also really valuable. I think sometimes people forget to ask for help, actually, when it comes to ask for advice more than help. Um, and you can learn so much from people because they've probably been there themselves and they can say, well, when that happened to me, I did this. Yes. And something might click. Then somebody might give you an idea and you think that's a, that's a really good idea. And knockbacks and dare I say failure, that's part of the journey. I think so. Yes, yeah. And, and I guess it... It makes you stronger and, and if you choose to look at it as a learning experience mm. rather than a, and a failure yep. then um, you know you do you, you get that resolve and you put yourself back in there and hopefully yep. you're, you're bigger and better or you're stronger or cleverer or um, you know if you practiced harder mm. before you're back in there again yeah that's right mm, interesting interesting um, I wonder I, I read recently a quote that I read uh, from you yeah and it said something along the lines of that we perhaps might bite off more than you can chew mm-hmm. and then chew like the blazers. Yeah. Tell us what you mean. I love that quote. I love that. <laughs> well, it's something my dad really, you know, he said all the time when we were growing up and I guess it really stuck. And so when the school asked me, you know, for an inspirational quote, that was the first thing that popped into my head and I thought, well, I suppose that should be what it is then. Um, because I guess... My dad's always said, well, you know, have a go at it and, and just work really hard and it's amazing what you can achieve. And, and so I think for me that's, that's been something very powerful throughout my whole life. People are always saying, how do you fit it in? How do you juggle it all? And, and it is really hard and sometimes I think, gosh, I could really do a weekend off. Um, but it's amazing what you can achieve really I think and and I think also my parents started me in music when I was very young I mean I started violin when I was three years old and people often say oh my gosh that's amazing but I I think sometimes 
people can achieve so much more than what we give them credit for. I think, you know, it's very easy with, um, you know, with kids to look at them and think, oh, we can't really start them on that until they're seven or eight or something. But I think actually it's amazing what humans can achieve. Mm. And if you just bite it off and then keep working at it, keep chewing, it's just amazing how you get it done. And then you look back and think, I never thought I would get through that. I never thought I would achieve that. But it is amazing what you can do. So, so I, I love that. There's something in there that says, just get in there and do it. Yeah. Just, just in terms of your day, and you told us a little bit about uh, the structure and the routine of rehearsal and things like that. But if we were to take a, a normal day, and, and there's probably not a normal day, but yeah. uh, do you, for example, your rehearsal and your practice and the extra little bits that you have as part of your life, mm-hmm. are you a, a get up and get it done early or are you a sleep in and work late into the night or do you make the most of the, the hours in the middle of the day and that's when you're at your best? What, what's kind of the, the model that works for you? Well, it's really tough because I'm, I would like to be one of those people that gets up at five o'clock in the morning and achieves a million things before I get to work. But the problem is, is that during the week, of course, once you have concerts and you're not getting home until about quarter to 11 and then you're a bit tired, but you don't really feel like going to bed. So you sit on the couch and watch an episode of West Wing. That's what I'm doing at the moment. Um, And then of course, you know, it's 11.30, quarter to 12, you're going to bed and all of a sudden it's pretty hard to get up at 5 a.m. the next morning. But in general, I try and practice um, before I go to work because I don't start till 10 and I just find that I'm so much fresher physically as well. If I try and practice after I've been rehearsing all day, um, it's very difficult. So I try and get up early, practice in the morning, and then when I finish work at four, I can actually, I usually go for a run and I can relax a little bit. And then if I've got emails to do, I can do a bit of that. And then if I really need to practice, I can, but yeah. It it strikes me that you have a a variety of different things in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got, got the, is it, the, what did you call the, the group here in yeah, Melbourne? Tin Alley. Tin Alley. Yeah. And you've got a, a leadership role in there and maybe a yeah. business side of that, mm-hmm. as well as your uh, role in the office up at the, at the um, yep. Opera House, Opera House yep. as well as being in the uh, Sydney Symphony Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, to me, it would almost sound like a tedious requirement to practice music mm. and then go to music rehearsal Mm -hmm. and then be ready to perform music and then in your spare time Mm -hmm. you play some more music but you just mentioned in there that you have balance as well Mm -hmm. I mean the the business side of things that's a balance and you go do try and do some exercise what other things do you do that aren't musically related Ah. to help you uh whether it be relax or have other interests in your life? Well, I have to say, not quite as many interests as I would like. (laughs) Um, But I do, I garden. That's one thing that I love doing. I find it really therapeutic. And also because um, I really struggle sometimes with the fact that when you are making music, it's so in the moment and there's nothing, there's no physical object at the end of it. And so I think I really enjoy gardening and cooking because I can finish pruning a tree and see that it looks different and I can plant a tree and I can see it grow. Uh, And when I cook, I get to see a nice meal and even though you eat it, but at least you've seen the cake in the first instance. Um, So I do a lot of of gardening and and cooking and and I exercise as well. And then really just when I get the chance, just being with friends actually, love going down to Balmoral Beach and having a swim after work. That's, That's the ultimate when it's not raining. It's been raining a lot in Sydney lately. <laughs> so, so your life is very creative. There are lots mm-hmm. of creative outlets. Um, and I would say that 
creating a piece of music or playing a piece of music very well there is a product at the end of it mm. but, but I guess unless you record it yep. and somebody gets to listen to it later there's nothing to to show for it no, as such I, I understand that no yeah. I, I there's just that. the joy on people's face which can be pretty powerful absolutely yeah for sure for sure um I wonder if there's something that you're looking forward to. What if, if, whether it be in two months' time, there's a particular event that you're part of, or maybe in five years' time, mm-hmm. um, just something that you're working towards at the moment that uh, has kind of captured you? Uh, well, I'm about to go to London in a few weeks. Oh, in about three weeks, actually. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and have some lessons with uh, a Hungarian violinist and an English violinist. And I have not had a lesson for, mm, could be... 12, 14 years, like a proper lesson. So I'm really looking forward to it and I've been practicing really hard and I'm a little bit nervous as well that they're going to be like, oh my gosh, you're terrible. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And I know it's very immediate, but it's I'm hoping that it's going to really um, inspire me and, and give me a um, something, some new things to work on in my playing and, and um, I, I think it's going to be great actually. And then I'm going to a friend's wedding in Italy so... Yeah. That sounds <laughs> so, pretty good exactly. too. Exactly. <laughs> so I have to say in the first instance that's what I'm looking forward to. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And, and it seems to me that you're not uh, settled just to stay within your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You're looking to grow and get better and challenge yeah. yourself. Yeah. Unfortunately I think that's that's my my lot yes. in life. There's there's some inspiration around that. I reckon. I, th- I think that's really powerful. I wonder if if you look back on your life, or if you, as you know of young people today, is there an experience or a book or a piece of music or a film that you should that you think should be compulsory viewing or watching or listening or experiencing or reading mm-hmm. for young people today? Yeah. Well, I think. I, th- I think listening is, of course, as a musician, I think that it's so powerful. I think if if every kid out there, if every teenager was to, to listen to the all of Beethoven's symphonies, not just the really famous one, but all of them, and listen to some Debussy and Ravel and Mahler and go to the opera and go to the ballet and go to a Shakespeare play, um, I think... It's incredibly powerful and, and it's not just listening through Spotify, it's also going and seeing a performance. Go to the Australian Chamber Orchestra, go to the Sydney Symphony, go to the Melbourne Symphony, go to the Australian Ballet. I know it's expensive but it's extraordinary how those experiences, even if you aren't really into music, can really change you, it can open up and make you think about things. That's all music and those experiences are meant to do, it's just meant to, to be a way for you to just think about things and 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 reflect I think uh, music speaks to everybody completely differently so um, and in terms of, of movies I mean there have been lots of great movies that I've loved my husband and I were just talking in the car about scent of a woman actually and the amazing speech at the end of scent of a woman and you know I think that is a great movie but there are so many great movies out there uh, it's it's hard to pick one but I suppose one thing that I I really noticed, I guess I'm really showing my age now, but um, I think that young people should get off their mobile phones. That's the thing that really frightens me actually because I didn't grow up, I suppose I grew up on the tail end of all of that coming in and, and it always really saddens me when I'm on the ferry and I still think 
wow, this is such a beautiful harbour city. And I look around me and I see all these people. And it's also people my age and older who were just staring at their mobile phones. And, and I just, I really fear actually for our ability to communicate with each other. And um, I, I was at um, a friend's birthday party on New Year's Eve um, at Rose Bay. She lives right on the beach at Rose Bay. And we all came out of her apartment and, and stood on the sand to watch the fireworks. And all of these young people were around us and the fireworks went off and they all turned around with their back to the fireworks so they could take a selfie with the fireworks in the background. And we were all thinking, the fireworks are over there, you're missing it. <laughs> it's just a different, it's just different. And I, I really, um, I fear for that because I think that nothing replaces communicating over a cup of coffee as opposed to just texting each other or sending each other an email and and I, I wonder where it's going to to lead us which I guess is what is so amazing about live performance because I think when you go n not just to a like a false festival or something but when you go to a classical music event you have to turn your mobile phone off and therefore you're forced to sit there for two hours and just let this music just wash over you and I think a lot of people would maybe even be confronted by how that feels now not to have any technology in front of you but just to be in a hall with this extraordinary music and and I think it's it's very powerful now actually there's no doubt that music can move you mm -hmm. it can draw a whole range of emotions and and feelings from somebody and can cause you to feel a whole range of different things and and I think uh, listening to that is one thing, but being live, being mm -hmm. in the moment, yeah, and and that's what you're saying too about modern technology says that you know that we can kind of live through a little screen sometimes mm -hmm. um, and get caught up in that and 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 look, I take it as advice to live in the moment, live in mm -hmm. the now, yeah, um, and and not have to record it for somebody else's pleasure, exactly, but. Get in there and, and just enjoy it yeah. for, for what it is and, and the experience that it is in the moment. Mm. That's that's powerful. As we um, begin to wrap up this time, I want to thank you for your time and, uh, and your generosity and allowing us to get a little insight into um, what it is to be a, a professional musician, somebody who has had a, some challenges through life and yet continues to climb and stretch and challenge herself to be better and bigger and, and more wonderful and uh, and we will um, conclude our um, podcast here, our recording here today. Yeah. Um, so, Larita, thank you. Thank From you. From the class of 1996, <laughs> thank you so much for stepping back in time with us. Thanks, Paul. Terrific. Ooh, 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 ooh.